0: Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with pastor-teacher Michael Craft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. This is actually the ninth week uh, as a congregation that we've been talking about connecting with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the final week in this series that started off for me as just being uh, a message that I felt like the Lord wanted to bring so that we could have an understanding of the gifts that we have in the Holy Spirit, to understand who the person of the Holy Spirit was. And to be honest with you, I was really just trying to ramp up to a message on our spiritual language, which we did last week when we talked about Speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, but the Lord wouldn't let me start there. We had to go back and we did this nine weeks ago and we started talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in Acts chapter 19, this, this was, you know, uh sometime after the day of Pentecost, Paul was in Ephesus, and there were individuals there who had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they Paul asked, Have you received the Holy Spirit? since you believed, and they answered the way that a lot of people in our community would answer today and say, we don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. And how many of you know that you're not going to receive anything that you're not aware of? You're not going to pursue something that you don't see the value of. You see, you might even acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your life, but if you don't see the value of the Holy Spirit and His work, then you're not going to pursue that. You see, it was so important to Jesus that He said, listen, unless I go, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. I can't send the Helper. And if I just stay here, it's just me. But if I go, I will send the Comforter. You see? And so then when Jesus was raised from the dead, right before He was ascended, He spoke to his disciples and said, listen, in not many days from now, I'm going to send the promise. I'm going to send the promise, and you're going to be endued with power. You're going to be clothed with power. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus came to live a life that demonstrated to you and I what life looks like when you're led by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't come as the son of God to say, listen, here I am. Let me show you how it works. No, Philippians says that he humbled himself and took the form of a man and being humbled as a servant, he became obedient to the point of death and death on the cross. So Jesus lived his life and everything that he did, everything that he said was based on what he heard, what he saw from the father, and he operated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. When Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't, say, just, you know, just get in line and follow. No, in the Greek, that word means to imitate. It means to imitate. So listen, anything that you see in the Gospels, what you see in the life of Jesus, you and I are called to imitate. And you might say, well, I can't do that. Well, and you're right, you can't. That's why we have a helper. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay. And so we've come to realize how absolutely essential it is for you and I to receive the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were baptized into one body, the body of Christ. So it's the Holy Spirit's job when we're born again to baptize us into the body of Christ. However, Jesus said that, or John the Baptist said that here's the one, when he was baptized in water, when Jesus was baptized in water, he said, this is the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? So, Jesus is the one who baptizes you and I in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm just going back a little bit because of the number of guests we have here this morning. But do you all see the difference. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Christ, the risen Savior, baptizes you and I in the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter um, 24, verse 49, he said, but wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Were the disciples born again when Jesus said that to them? Sure they were. In John chapter 20, he said, he breathed on them after the resurrection and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what do you think they did? They probably received the Holy Spirit, don't you think? So what the Holy Spirit did is the Holy Spirit came and baptized them into the body of Christ. They were born again all right? So we don't need to have any sort of division between, well, listen, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you not have the Holy Spirit? If you're born again, you're born of the Spirit, all right? At the same time, the Holy Spirit wants to come and reside. He wants to endue you with power. How many of you need some power in your life, all right? Okay, We're born into Christ, but in the same way that Christ was baptized in the Spirit, he didn't begin his public ministry until after he was baptized. You and I were not equipped for the ministry that God's called us to until we're endued with power by the Holy Spirit. All right? And so, listen, we, I've got, uh, I guess, eight weeks of teaching. You can go back on our website and listen to. There's no way I can make it through this morning. But I want to talk this morning about connecting with the Holy Spirit in the Great Commission because at the end of the day, it's not just about being born again. It's not just about being filled with the Spirit, receiving your spiritual language, and being able to uh, commune with God and and whatnot. At the end of the day, God still loves the world, right? At the end of the day, in Romans chapter 8, all of creation is still groaning for the sons of man to be manifest, All of creation is you as a born-again believer. Creation is waiting for you to rise up and be the man and woman that God has called you to be because God loves the world and wants to see everyone saved and the world redeemed back to him. Do you believe that? That's your mission. That's why God planted you where you are in your life. Isn't it neat that we're not all doing the same thing? We all don't have the same... A group of associates and friends, relatives, neighbors, and enemies, they're all different in our lives, aren't they? Okay? Because that's your field. That's your field. Okay? So, let's see. I don't know where to go, how to do this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 again, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. So you see where this baptism is supposed to take us, right? It's supposed to take us out to the ends of the earth. So then Jesus, in Matthew 28 said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. How many of you have heard the Great Commission before? All right. We've we've heard of it. What do you think the context of this commission was? I mean, if you you didn't think of this in terms of 20th, 21st century living, like you and I experience, when you think of the Great Commission, what do you think of? Hmm? We think of the disciples. How many of you are engaged in the Great Commission in your lives? All right. Amen. That's a good, good number of folks. But there are some hands that are down too, right? I want to resolve that for you today. I want you to see how simple the gospel is. And I want, to see the, want you to see the invitation that you have to participate in this co-mission. Okay? It's a co-mission. It's, it's you and I co-partnering with the Holy Spirit to reach the world and to, and to share with them the gospel, the good news. How many of you know the gospel is good news? Amen. Have you ever heard, well, listen, I want to, I need, sister, I need to share the good news with you, you know, and we go around with a sour look on our face and you, and, and, and the gospel doesn't look any more good or delicious than broccoli or something like that. You know, the gospel needs to have the flavor of cheesecake to it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> The gospel needs, to, see, just look at the smiles on your faces, all right? Nobody smiled when I said broccoli. The gospel's good news. And listen, when you experience the gospel, the good news, the almost too good to be true news, it's going to infect you. You're not going to be able to stop, but your heart's going to cry out. I mean, have you ever, I don't know anybody, but I've seen individuals who have won the lottery. They don't walk around like prunes and keep it to themselves. They're on the phone, man, they're calling everybody, they're saying, guess what? This almost too good to be true news is mine, Now I want to share it with you. Shouldn't we be that much more, or how much more should our hearts yearn to share what Christ has done with us with others. Do you agree? Okay. So I'm hoping that the gospel will become too good to be true news for you. So what are some things that we need to look at to kind of frame what Jesus was talking about with the Great Commission? You know, when I look at it, 21st century, the Great Commission. I mean, I see groups of individuals coming together, going on missions trips or, or organized um, activities within the church to reach neighborhoods or to pray. I mean, uh, a lot of times if, if, if you're engaged in Great Commission activity, a lot of prayer and intercession and stuff goes on in the background. And all of that's well and good, but can I say that it's not necessary? It's good, and it is helpful, but it's not necessary because, I mean, sometimes we feel like we've got to work so hard to fight the darkness off to get ready. We've got to build ourselves up because there's a big bad enemy out there in the world, and we're not ready. Can I tell you, we need to live ready. We need to be ready all of the time, and if you will learn how to connect with the Holy Spirit in your life, can I tell you, you are ready. You are ready. You just don't know it you are ready. Hello, light bulb, come on. (laughs) It's an inside job. Sometimes you just need to step out and begin to do something that you don't think you can do, and you'll find out that you can. You'll find out that you can. You know, some of our doubt and unbelief keeps us from grabbing a hold of what God has for us. And if we would just read the Word of God and believe that it's true, allow it to You know, don't read the Word just as a, you know, just reading your devotions in the morning, but this is Almighty God speaking to you. His words are are life and they're truth to all those who find Him, all right? Lord, help me. I thought this was going to be easy this morning. So let me share a couple scriptures and let me know whether you think that these might have something to do with the Great Commission or not. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Did Jesus just speak that? And then when he spoke the Great Commission, he he said, well, we don't have to remember that. Do you think in any way that this has anything to do with fulfilling the Great Commission? Do you think that we need to deny ourselves? What does that mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? It means to what? Say no to yourself. But, you know, I was looking at this yesterday, and the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, it's not saying no. It's not saying no. It's saying yes. It's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying no to myself, and it's saying yes to Jesus. When Jesus says that by his stripes you're healed, you say no to your body, and you say yes to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit highlights and you, you want to minister, you see someone who's sick or you feel drawn in your heart, then you begin to disqualify yourself, saying, well, who am I? Sound like Moses to me. Who am I? And you be, those are the times where we need to deny ourselves, say no to ourselves, and say yes to Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, if you'll focus more on, on who you're saying yes to, you won't have any problem saying no. When you get a revelation of the one that you're saying yes to, you'll have no problem saying no. The reason that we have a problem saying no is because we're so, we're so caught up in our own world, in our own selves. It's true, isn't it? It's true. And so we need to be built up in our spirit. So how many of you think that has something to do with the Great Commission? Okay, cool. I did. I thought so, too. Um, John chapter 13, verse 34. Here's something else that Jesus said, and this is really, really important. And I just want to know if you think this might have something to do with this great commission or not. Jesus said, and this is right before. This is right after the Last Supper. Jesus is getting up and he's getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to go to the cross. And after the Last Supper, he goes out to the mount with his disciples. And this is where this whole discourse takes place. And so Jesus says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. What's different about the commandment here than, you know, Jesus said the summation of all of the law and the prophets is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. What's the difference between that and what Jesus is saying here? Oh, no, there's a huge difference. It's the reference point. You see, under the law, now you're good, Andrea. Under the law, the reference point was self. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you that every one of you here loves your neighbor as yourself? You do. Some of you don't love yourselves, and so it's impossible for you to love your neighbor because you love them just like yourself. You hate yourself, and so you hate everybody else too. <laughs> we all love our neighbor as ourselves, And that's why, you know, it almost sounds wrong when, you know, in, in John it says that we're, we're to, you're, you're to love you. If God so loved you, what's wrong with you loving you? Just don't live for you. Allow God's love to be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Recognize that you're prime real estate in heaven, okay? You are prime real estate in heaven. You ha- your life has great value. And when you begin to see the value that you have, because in First John 4, verse 19, it says that we love him because he first loved us. You see, when you get a revelation of how much he loves you, man, it's just going to come out on the inside and you will love your neighbor as yourself. But the difference in this new commandment is the reference point. Jesus is saying a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I, even as I loved you. So now it's not about loving people the way you love them or just loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now we're to look at Jesus and he's to be the reference point. That takes it to a whole nother level, don't it? A whole nother level. So we're supposed to love the way that he loved. How do you do that? How do you do that? I try that all of the time and I fall flat on my face. Do you? I mean, I think I'm in the love of God and I think it's happening. And the next thing I know, I've squirreled off into something and I forgot where Jesus is. And the love that I'm sharing doesn't sound like Jesus. It doesn't smell like Jesus, you know. It's like I always say, you know, you can see what's on the inside of somebody when you're squeezed, you know. You don't, you don't squeeze an orange and get apple juice, you know. You don't squeeze, you know, you don't squeeze grapes and get orange juice. That would be weird, wouldn't it? So why, why is it any different when you and I as Christians, when we get squeezed and something comes out other than the love of God? hello (laughs) that's a hard one isn't it (laughs) and and here's really the key is that it's impossible for you to love the way that god does without the holy spirit without the holy spirit you will live a frustrated life trying to love the way that jesus loved without the holy spirit that's why it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 it says that the love of God has been shed abroad where in our hearts by whom? By whom? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that sheds the love of God abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And when we come out when we learn to deny ourselves because we were never created for ourselves in the first place. When we learn to deny ourselves, we can allow that Love of God that's birthed by the Holy Spirit to be manifest. When we're moved by compassion and our love for other people becomes greater than our self awareness, you'll begin to walk in the supernatural. You'll begin to see the miraculous in your life because guess what? You can't perform any miracles, you can't heal anybody, you don't have the wisdom that the world needs, but the Holy Spirit does. And if you'll learn to commune with him, if you'll learn to develop relationship, 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 relationship. If we will learn to develop relationship, you'd be surprised how simple and easy this Christian life is. I think we complicate things a whole lot more than they need to be. So anyhow, does anybody think that this new commandment has anything to do with the Great Commission? You know, I mean, you know, as long as we're going out and reaching the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we really don't have to love them. Just share the gospel with them. Baptize them. Teach them to obey the Word of God. If you can do that void of denying yourself, if you can do that void of keeping the new commandment, loving others as Christ loved, well, I don't know. I just don't think you can. I just don't think you can. I think they go together. I want to share something with you. In open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. You see, what I want you to see is that in order to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28, it goes along with. What he said to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. What does that power look like? You know, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came in like a mighty rushing wind and filled the place, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, and they got up and began to to preach, and three thousand people were born again on the on the day of Pentecost, and the church age began. But this endument of power you and I need to be clear about what that is. Because if we're not, we're going to miss what God does. How many of you know God always does what he says he's going to do? He never does it the way that you think he he will. You might think that you got it figured out, but God's going to do it a different way. I'm going to tell you. It might make perfect logical sense on every arena, but I can tell you a lot of times God's got something a little bit different than what you're thinking. What do you think of? I don't, want to put anybody on the spot, but if I say be endued with power, what does that look like to you? If you saw an individual endued with power, what do they look like? Bold? Okay. They look like, soup that's right. That's exactly what they look like. They look like Superman. They don't look like underdog. <laughs> any of you remember underdog? <laughs> that's kind of age in some of us because I haven't seen any repeats on that. But it's a, uh, but it's Superman, man. That's what we think. But but can I tell you that it's really mm, being endued with power. I'm, I'm going to just say this, and then you'll have to catch up with me a little bit. But what it looks like is it looks like love. <laughs> Underdog. <laughs> okay, follow me. Being endued with power looks like love. And I, and I want to prove that to you in the scripture right here. Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. And the Ephesians, again, in Acts chapter 19, this is where Paul went. And they had believed. And he asked, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And these are the very people that said, I don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit. So here he is writing a letter to the same church in Ephesus. Ephesus okay? And here's what he says. He's praying for the for the Ephesian church, and he, and he prays that he, God, would grant them, the Ephesians, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with what? Strengthened with power, strengthened with might. How many of you know if you're strengthened, you want to be strengthened with something? Only in the kingdom of God can you be strengthened with power. You can be strengthened with might. Through his Spirit, or Through the Holy Spirit, okay? We're strengthened with power through the Spirit, where? In the inner man, okay? We're strengthened in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in what? Rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled up to all of the fullness of God. Listen, when you have a revelation of the love of God, when you understand the breadth, and the length, and the height, and the depth, and the love of God that surpasses our understanding, you're being filled up with the fullness of God. Do you think that if you're filled with the fullness of God, that you're endued with power? Okay. It's so much more than what we've believed. It's so much more. But the avenue is so simple. It's so simple. It's being filled with the fullness of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, this isn't in my notes, Charles, I know. Paul prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of this calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Listen, you're his inheritance. You are his inheritance. When you see individuals, you're looking at the inheritance of almighty God. Okay. When you look at an individual, don't judge them by their outward appearance. Don't judge them for what they're going through in their life. You're looking at the inheritance of almighty God. Okay, it might need to be brushed up and polished a little bit. But, man, you're looking at the inheritance and he's still working on me. How about you? Okay, And then he goes on and says, uh, and what is the he's praying that the eyes are understanding that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. That's talking about who that's talking about the Holy Spirit. Right. So that he might show us what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. Okay. Who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Do you know what the power was that raised Christ from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the love of God. It was the love of God that raised Christ from the dead. So when we look at the Great Commission, I don't want you to think of it in some sort of mystical way. It's really, it's the power of the gospel. It's the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The power of the message comes from the heart of the messenger. Okay? The power of the message comes from the heart of the messenger. How many of you have read scriptures before or heard somebody read scripture and it was just like, you know, it just, just didn't have any life to it. Dead letter, yeah. But the heart of the messenger makes all of the difference. It makes all of the difference. You've heard people share the Word of God, and there's been life in it, and it's not just, just the Word. The Word's, I mean, the Word's important, man. The Word's God. It was in the beginning with God and was God, and the, but the Word became flesh. Can I tell you, the Word of God must become flesh in your life to have power. Okay, It's got to become flesh. So the power of the gospel not only comes from the message, but the heart of the messenger. This is why Jesus said that they needed to wait in Jerusalem until they're endued with power. Did they know the message? Did they see Jesus raised from the dead? Did they see the resurrected Lord and Savior? Yes. Were they empowered to fulfill this commission? No. Not until Pentecost. So they needed the helper. So a couple things I want to say. As we go about partnering and co laboring, connecting with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission, is don't try to make it happen. Okay, can I I'll let you all off the hook. Don't try to make it happen. You can't make it happen. That's why Jesus said, wait. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to make ourselves available. How many of you think that's okay? Job description, make yourself available. How many of you are available? You're hired. (laughs) Okay, you're hired. All you have to do is make yourself available. The second thing is this, to fulfill this great commission that Jesus gave to you and I, is we have to see everyone through the eyes of love. We need to begin to see everyone and everything through the eyes of love. How many of you believe that that's the way that Jesus saw? How many of you can say that as you go throughout your day that you see everything through the eyes of love? Anybody? Raise that hand up way high. I'll cast that devil out. (laughs) So we we need a starting point. So many times we look at at, at at the at the grandeur of what of where the world is. And how many of you know the world's in darkness today? And it's it's so easy to say, gosh, where do we even get started? Where do, how do we even get started? You know, I I don't feel qualified and the world's so big and there's so much going on. How in the world are is this commission ever gonna come about? Number one, make yourself available, all right? And we need a starting point. And the starting point is really simple. It's love people. Okay? Love people. Steve? Welcome, buddy. Love people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, love people. people. Say it like you mean it. Say it in love. (laughs) Love people, all right? (laughs) (laughs) say it in love. All right. It's really that simple, loving people. I haven't got time, but you can look in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, where Jesus gives the parable of the sheep and the goats. And he says, you know, hey, he separates the sheep from the goat and said, when did you love me? When did you help me? When did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When did you, you know, house me, show me hospitality? And the other, and the goats say, well, And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. See, that's what it really boils down to. It boils down to loving people. We need a starting point, and it's loving people. If you can show me one person that Jesus didn't pay the price for, I'll give you permission not to love them, okay? If you can show me one person, whoever you meet, no matter how bad they are, that Jesus didn't give his life for, then you've got permission to just pass them by and not love them. That's your only out. (laughs) That's your only out. All right? Love lays its life down for others. It lives for the edification of people, not at the expense of other people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says that we're to do nothing from selfishness or conceit but with humility of mind to regard one another as more important than who? Than yourself. You see? Most people that you meet live at the expense of other people. Have you all ever met anybody like that? You know, the only time you get a phone call is when somebody needs something from you. The only time you call somebody is when you need something from them. (laughs) You see, this world lives at the expense of people. Jesus never lived at the expense of a single person. He always lived for the edification. He always considered others as more important than himself. Listen, when we begin to live for the edification of people and not at the expense of people, you're fulfilling the great commission. That's what it means to walk in love. Okay, so three important truths to remember about people. Three important truths to remember about the people in the world that you're called to impact. Number one, God loves them, okay? God loves them. John 3, God so loved the world that he gave, you know. 1 John 4, 19, God, we love him because he first loved us. God loves people. Those people you don't like, those people you don't get along with, God loves them. God demonstrated that love 2,000 years ago through the head, Jesus Christ. If God wants to demonstrate that love to individuals in the world today, he's got to do it through his body. That's you and I. You and I are the only Jesus that our world will ever see. Okay? So they need to have an experience with the goodness of God through you and I so that they can experience the gospel. We don't, we don't give people, we don't cram the gospel down people's throats. We give them Jesus. We give them an experience with his character. We give them an experience with his love. Okay? Number two, if people really knew love, they wouldn't do half of the things they do if we really knew and had an experience with the love of God, we wouldn't do, or the people that you say, well, why are they so messed up? Why are they doing that? Well, there's something is missing in their experience. Something is missing in their revelation of who God is. And if they had that experience, they would change. They would repent. They would change the way they think. That's what repentance means. It doesn't mean to be sorry or remorseful. Repentance simply means to change the way you think. And how many of you know when, you get, when you've given the choice between something good and something better, how many of you know it's easy to say yes to something better? It's easier to change the way you think and say, hey, this was good, but this is better. I'm going with what's better. Any of you in, in that game? You see, when people turn to Jesus, it's because we get a revelation of something better. You know, it's the goodness of God. Okay, number number 3, and I'm going to try to go quick quick here if I can. Most people don't believe that you actually love them. Most people do not believe that you actually love them. They're thinking, what do you think they're thinking? What's in it for you? So you're going to you're going to meet people in the marketplace, you're going to meet people in your family, you're going to meet people on the job, you're going to meet people in your neighborhood. And if you are genuinely filled with the love of God by the Holy Spirit, you're going to meet people and they're, they're not going to believe that God loves them. They're going to believe you're out for something. What's in it for me? And they're not even going to respond the way that you think they are because they believe you're in it for you and not for them. And I'll tell you, that's true for about, you know, of the people that you're going to meet. That's why I love ministering to folk and not telling them I'm a pastor. Not telling them where I go to church. Because if I do that, they're going to think there's an ulterior motive and I'm trying to get people to come to the church. What's in it for me, right? So if I'm out ministering to somebody, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them I'm a pastor. I'm not going to tell them where I go to church. Because I don't want them to think that it's about building my kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. Amen. And when people come into a relationship with Christ, God's going to plant them in a body someplace. Amen. We need to be able to go in and minister to folks and walk away and have them dumbfounded and say, Wow, they didn't try to get anything from me. And listen, when we minister to people, it's not about getting a badge. It's not about saying, listen, I led five people to the Lord this week. It's not about that. It's not about you. It's not about me on any level. When the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, you lose sight of yourself. Amen? And listen, when you recognize that the fulfillment of this great commission is based on the love of God being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, and we're looking at the world through the eyes of love, does anyone disqualify for ministry? I mean, do you need a special word? Do you need a prophetic word to go minister to somebody? You know, all you need is for your heart to be drawn to someone. Someone might need a word of encouragement. I mean, you might want to pray for somebody. And listen, if you're going to pray for somebody, don't pray long prayers. (laughs) Can I pray for you? Yeah. Oh, God, who are (laughs) seated seated on the throne between the cherub. Thou lovest me so much. And, you know, all the King James and this and the other. You pray a 20-minute prayer and stuff like that. And they've done written you off. Listen, man, you can go in. What did it take for Jesus to change a life? Sometimes he just walked. Sometimes he didn't say a word. Somebody t- sometimes they just touched the hem of the garment, and they were healed. Sometimes J- Jesus just said, be healed. Do you know that you can change somebody's life? I've been in, in uh, uh, you know, shopping, and, and the cashier's been there, and I just said, hey, can I, can I just pray with you for a moment just before I go? I just want to bless you, you know. Can I see your hand? And they'll put their hand out and say, Lord, just bless this person. Just bring healing to their body. Let them know how much you love them in Jesus' name. Amen. Boom, done, over. I'm out the door, gone. Can I tell you how many times I've looked up and I've seen a tear in somebody's eye? The simple things that we neglect to do because we don't value people. We're on our job, we're in our place and people are just commodities to get us where we're going. Do you know every day you probably run across 20 people whose lives that you could impact for Christ? If we would simply allow the love of God to be shed abroad in our heart and to recognize this commission has nothing to do with a grand strategic plan. It's simply having a heart for people, loving people. That's not too difficult, is it? But you do have to deny yourself, and that's something that's difficult for all of us. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize and receive the love of God in our own lives, and then we're prepared to share it with others. You can't give something away that you haven't first received, can you? And so before you're equipped to go, you've got to receive. You need to know that you have great value. You need to know that God loves you so much that he gave for you. You need to know that you can receive from him with it, with no strings attached. Amen? And we can See God reach our world through His love. Empowered in the inner man. Empowered in the inner man by the love of God. Amen? Amen. I think I'm going to probably stop there. Share one more scripture if I can have you stand. In 1 Corinthians chapter... 13, it says this, it says, love never fails. Love never fails. Can I tell you that when you reach out to someone in love that you never fail, it's impossible to miss it. You can't walk away from a situation and say, well, man, I sure screwed that one up. You know, it is impossible to fail when you're moved by the love of God. My prayer this morning, as we kind of wrap up this nine-week series on connecting with the Holy Spirit, is to ask you, where where are you in your walk? Where do you need to hook up with the Holy Spirit? Where do you need to connect? Do Do you recognize how valuable you are that the Holy Spirit would say, I want to take up residence in you. I want your body is going to be my temple through your journey here on the earth. That God has called you to do what you cannot do because you've got to rely upon Him and through Him you can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So where are you in your journey today? Where do you need to connect with the Holy Spirit? Where do you need to connect with the Great Commission? I hope I've made this thing simple enough to understand that you can never separate the work of God from the character of God. That the greatest thing that you and I can ever come into an awareness of is just how much God loves you and how much God loves your enemy, too. That person that gets on your last nerve, God loves them as much as he loves you. And he's called you to love them the way that he loves them. Hello? Some of you say, I've gone to Medlin now. It's still the truth. It is the truth. We can't do it in our own strength. We really need the Holy Spirit to come on inside and help. So I just want to pray. As we just kind of close the service today, I'm going to open the altars. If there's anyone here who would like prayer or you just say, Pastor, I need to connect with the Holy Spirit. I need to connect. I either need to give my heart to Jesus and be born into the kingdom of God, or I need to be born. I need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, and you can receive that by faith this morning, or you want to connect with the Great Commission, and you just say, "Listen, I, I, I've got, I've had this whole thing wrong. I just, I need to, I need to learn how to surrender to victory. I need to learn how to surrender to the love of God." That's what's going to change our world. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to to be together in this place today. All of us, Lord, all of our guests. Now, we just thank you that you brought us here today because you you had a word for us. It's time for a new beginning. It's time to become undone with your love. Now, we don't have to figure this thing out. We don't have to make it happen. Lord, all we need to do is surrender to you. Surrender to your love. Surrender to your goodness and your kindness. Surrender to your patience. who cares for us more than we can ever, ever, ever imagine. Allow your love to so sweep us clean on the inside and to fill us with a peace and a joy that passes understanding. Lord, that we can't but help to go share this too-good-to-be-true news that we're experiencing in our own lives. Father, that's my prayer for each person here this morning. Lord, despite what may have or may not have been said or how the service went or how it didn't go. Lord, I want people to know your love. God baptize us in your love. Everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will take care of itself. As we surrender, we surrender to your love. We don't have to be big. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be who the world says that we have to be. All we have to do is be a son. All we have to do is be a dog. All we have to do is look up to big daddy God and say, I need you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for making me whole. I surrender to you. Surrender to victory. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com. Or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams from the River.